0: Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. Monday afternoon, as my kids played in the backyard and helicopters flew overhead, the eerie off tone of cell phone emergency alerts reverberated through the neighborhood. Beginning at 8 p.m. Monday night, Alameda County began enforcing a curfew order requiring all non-exempt persons to remain indoors between 8 p.m. and 5 a.m. In other parts of the country, curfews have been enforced in an attempt to contain COVID-19. Here, the curfew is about George Floyd and about all of the Black lives taken unjustly before him. For the past few days, I've had only sporadic access to the news, since our internet hasn't been working and even my phone connection has been spotty. Most of what I know about the protests and looting in both my current city and in Minneapolis, the one I grew up in, is from friends who've reached out. I doubt my technological challenges have anything to do with what is going on in my city, but they mirror how I'm experiencing this time. Which is to say that I am fumbling through with as much humility as I can, knowing all the while that I'm inadequate for the moment, that I still have so much to learn, so much more to understand, so much more work to do. My limited access to technology has made me panicky and anxious, but maybe on some level it's fitting that my own work of learning to be anti-racist is springing more from the personal connections with people I love than from the news and social media. I've never been more aware of how lucky I am to have those friends who have forgiven me and responded graciously when I've blundered once again. Today, I'm so thankful to be able to share with you the words and poetry of one of those friends. Roxanne Beth Johnson is an incredible poet whose work I have loved for years. I recommend her books Black Crow Dress and Jubilee Whenever I get the chance. She's also an incredible person, one who I'm delighted to celebrate today in a week where there's so much to feel discouraged about. Roxanne's first book, Jubilee, won the Philip Levine Prize for Poetry, judged by Philip Levine himself. She's received fellowships from the McDowell Colony, the Breadloaf Writers Conference, the San Francisco Arts Commission, and the Vermont Studio Center. Her books are ones I keep coming back to again and again. They feel like an anchor to me during this time. Five years ago, Roxanne and I met at a Sunday afternoon gathering of friends and were drawn to each other like magnets, the only two writers in the room. The friendship we've had since then is precious to me. It's a friendship where we can go for months without seeing each other or talking. And then she'll reach out and ask me if I want to write daily reflections for the 40 days of Lent, something we've done for two years in a row now, and that has produced nearly 100 pages of my novel. She's seen me as raw as I've ever been in those writings and has shared that kind of transparency in her own. Hers is a friendship where I feel safe to be myself, even when I'm at my worst. The frankest conversations I've ever had about racism are the ones I've had with Roxanne. She doesn't mince words or sugarcoat things, and yet somehow, even the hard truths are delivered with a heavy dose of grace. In a week where the world feels impossible, my friendship with Roxanne is a beam of light. I asked Roxanne to share a couple of her poems with us today, both because I want to celebrate the art she's creating and because sometimes we need poems. To put words to the things we can't yet say ourselves. I also invited her to share how she's been experiencing this time of sheltering in place and how she's finding her way toward hope even this week. She began with a poem called Blues for Almost Forgotten Music.
1: I'm trying to remember the lyrics of old songs, I've forgotten. Mostly, I am trying to remember one-hit wonders, hymns, and musicals like West Side Story. Singing over and over what I can recall, I hum remnants on buses and in the car. I am so often alone these days with echoes of these old songs and my ghosted lovers. I am so often alone that I can almost hear it, can almost feel the half-touch of others— can almost taste the lick-clean spine of the melody I've lost. I remember the records rubbed with static and the needle gathering dust. I remember the taste of a mouth so sudden and still cold from wintry gusts. It seemed incredible then, a favorite song a love found. It wasn't after all. Days later, while vacuuming, the lyrics come back without thinking. Days later, I think I see my old lover in a cafe, but don't. Yet how pleasing it was to think of him finally to sing that song. This is the way of all amplitude. We need the brightness to die some. This is the way of love and music. It plays like a god and then is done. Do I feel better remembering, knowing for certain what's gone? This is Roxanne Beth Johnson. I'm 52 years old, I'm single, I've been sheltering in place since March 19th. One word I would use to describe myself is adaptable. Before we began sheltering in place, my life looked like driving to work every day or taking the shuttle working eight to five around an enormous group of people in a huge building with 5,000 employees and six floors, eating in a huge cafeteria, riding in elevators. Now what my life looks like is working from home every day and going to the store once a week and not really going anywhere, just kind of hanging out at home. I think the worst thing about sheltering in place has been not being able to go anywhere with any kind of real freedom. But also feeling super pressured to like do something extraordinary with all my quote-unquote extra time. I don't really feel like I have any extra time. And I decided about a month ago to stop pressuring myself to do something with this period. Like write something every day or draw something every day or take a picture every day or do something and post it on Instagram every day. I've just decided to let that go. About the current moment, it's never surprising to me, unfortunately, when someone Black, particularly a Black man, dies a violent death in America. This just never seems to change, and it's sad that I'm just never surprised. What I would hope going forward is that, of course, this would stop. And that in the meantime, the next time it happens, that the perpetrator is punished to the fullest extent of the law as soon as possible. You know, that justice would be really helpful. But I also think that the current response to what has been going on isn't ideal either. You know, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. I think a better response in this kind of situation would be just more heartfelt care. A national day of mourning when something like this happens, just where everything shuts down and we just are quiet as a nation. Something other than business as usual and then riots in the streets. So I'm going to read and. I'm especially proud of this poem because I won a Pushcart Prize for it. And the poem is about my grandmother. I'm half black and half Italian. And I just want to say as a caveat that my Italian grandmother was a creature of her generation. At the time that this poem takes place, I was about five years old and my grandmother would have been in her late 70s. And the year was maybe 1975, so think about it. She was a wonderful person, I just wanna say that. She was very, very loving to me. But she also had some kind of funky ideas about black people. So this poem is called Mulatto. Grandma is washing me white. I am the color of hot sand in the bleached sea light. I am a stain on the porcelain, persistent as tea stay in the shade she said don't say she was the only one cousin's opposite said you too white i am a night blooming flower being pried open in the morning my skin a curtain for a cage of bones a blackbird coop my heart is crusty bread hardening hardening this way i feed my own fluttering under shade, the day looks like evening, and I cannot bear the darkness. Don't say I can't stand to be touched. Say I stare into the sun to burn off the soiled hands that print my body with bloody ink. Don't say mulatto. Say I am the horse in Oz turning different colors, each prance brightening flesh, a curiosity. Don't say bathwater spiraled down into the pipes say I never did fade say skin holds the perseverance of all my days folding folding the water continuously gathers making wrinkles in a map you can find these poems at poetryfoundation.org you can just type in my name Roxanne Beth Johnson when I think about the future I feel hopeful and also really down life is going to be really different And I don't really know what that's gonna look like, especially in San Francisco. I am working for a major retailer in the corporate office here in the Bay Area. And we were being forced to start to sit together really closely, like Google style seating with everybody super close, no privacy. And uh, that's not gonna happen. We're gonna have to have cubes that are at least six feet apart which is just a lot better for productivity, so I'm really happy about that. What I need right now is less bad news, fewer outrageous events, less inner anxiety. That would be good. The best thing that anyone has done for me during this time is, I don't know, something that comes to mind is going into Target and when I went up to the self-checkout one of the store employees came and disinfected the entire self-checkout stand, which was great because I couldn't find my antibacterial wipes and those are really precious. And I just didn't want to touch the keypad and the screen and I didn't have to worry about it because this employee disinfected it all and she was doing it for everybody. It was just really thoughtful. The best thing about sheltering in place has been the quiet streets, a slower pace, seeing more people walking around as families, and just having more time to be quiet, to think about what's really worthwhile in life. When I think about the future, my hopes are, of course, that we find a vaccine and we can get out and about with a little more freedom again, but still with a slower pace. But I'm looking forward to just being around people When I'm feeling down during this time, I deal with that by trying to sit quiet more, say more prayers, read Psalms, see what my friends are doing on Instagram for just a minute or so, because that can be a black hole. What I dream about what life could be like after COVID-19 is I really hope that people begin to turn to God honestly. Mindfulness is great, But there's so much more to life and to what happens after our lives than just watching our thoughts go by. You know, there's a God who we can turn to, who can help us. And to just begin that relationship with this higher power, I hope that people realize that God is entirely separate from religion, and that we can have a relationship with this living being outside of formal religion. God just doesn't have anything to do with that. You know, a lot of Christians and many other religious people do go to church or to synagogue, and that is a way to relate to God, but it's certainly not the only way. So that's what I'm I'm hoping as the days progress and as people find that they need more.
0: If you tuned in yesterday, then you know that shelter in place, in solidarity with so many others across the nation, did not go about business as usual, and instead observed Blackout Tuesday. I didn't know about Blackout Tuesday when Roxanne and I talked. She didn't either. But even before I found out about it, Roxanne's words stirred me to pause, to stop and take a long look in the mirror to ask myself what I can do to shift the arc of history from this point forward we have holidays to honor the dead who have been lost in war why don't we have holidays to honor those whose lives have been lost to the evils of racism nate and i spent the day yesterday talking about how we could put our money where our mouth was we watched trevor noah's thoughtful video which i highly recommend and have included in my show notes for today we put on masks and attended the protests this is going to be a long fight. It is going to require all of us to take part. I urge you to read Natalie McCabe's worker's stirring essay, Dear White People, Let's Not Continue to Be Our Ancestors, to watch Trevor Noah's video, to put your dollars toward one of the many organizations who are fighting for racial justice right now. I'll include links to some of these in my show notes today. It's been a hard week to find daily sanity. Some days it's felt impossible. But Roxanne's words have helped me to find my way there today. When I hear Roxanne's words, the daily sanity I find is both big and small. We need to do big things as a society. Sanity means pressing toward justice, pushing ourselves to action, even when we feel like crawling in a hole. Sanity means small things, too. It means changing the way that we look at each other. That moment in the grocery store when the checkout person wiped down Roxanne's station, such a small thing. But that small thing meant a lot to Roxanne. It reminded her that she was valued, that even a stranger cared enough to show her that. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Shelter in Place, The best way you can support it is to subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes so others can find it too. Shelter in Place is sponsored by Brick and Mortar and Delta Wines. I am so grateful to be sponsored by a small local business that isn't just committed to making great wines, but to making this world a better place. Get 10% off your order when you use the promo code SHELTER at brickandmortarwines.com or winesforchange.com. When you buy wine, you support this show and also other businesses that are working toward more sustainable living. The Shelter-in-Place music is composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter-in-Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. Until tomorrow... This is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.